Welcome to Inside Today's Country, the show that gets the real stories from today's country stars, stories you haven't heard anywhere else. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been on the radio interviewing the biggest stars in the business and discovering new talent for more than 20 years, and now in his very own podcast. Are you ready? Let's go Inside Today's Country. On this edition of Inside Today's Country, we meet up with Stephen Adrian Lawrence, who spent a lot of time writing songs. You'll know some of them, and we'll talk about that. He's making the move from songwriter to performer with his brand new single called Cold Comfort. He says this about the country music fan. People who love country music love what country music is. All that and more as we go inside today's country with Stephen Adrian Lawrence. Next. Now it's good old boys, blue ribbon buddies. Frosty silver bullets gone in a flash. Here's to sad songs that old jukebox plays on. of cold Well, welcome to another edition of Inside Today's Country, and today we are chatting with... Stephen Adrian Lawrence. We uh, were talking off air about this, is you have gone with three names because there's other guys that are out there that may have kind of the same name as you, right? With a different middle initial. Well, you know, I mean, uh, if, it, if it's anything that helps keep me and people's consciousness just a little bit longer. So let's find out a little bit about you. Tell me your uh, your backstory and uh, where this all started, where it all came from. And you're involved in a whole bunch of writing stuff as well, so let's talk about that. Well, up until now, I would have described myself primarily as a songwriter. I, uh, I've been in bands and playing in music since I was 16 years old, and I started writing my first songs, but I grew up in Don Mills, and uh, there wasn't a lot of call for country music, and I was in a lot of, you know, more conventional rock, pop kind of bands and i got lucky and actually when i was uh, 17 i got picked to be in a band whose uh, guitar player was a lead singer for an 80s band called blue peter and uh we used to tour with them underage <laughs> okay and uh i, I kind of learned i was a bass player and singing backing vocals and a couple of leads and just kind of learning the ropes and you know i just thought everything we were doing was normal i didn't realize how unusual it was for our age to you know, playing all these clubs. I played the Elma Combo when I was 18. Anyway, uh, uh, you know, that all came to an end as these things do and you move on to something else and life happened for me and I, you know, I was in, uh, you know, the business world and, but I was always in the kitchen at the party with the guitar and I was doing a lot of, uh, you know, playing in bands at night, doing covers and stuff and uh, so I never really walked away from it, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. uh in 2005, I was working at a car dealership and I met a young guy washing cars and he was singing. And all the girls at work, they were staring at him and on their break, they'd come back and watch him doing his thing and he'd sing. And so I, you know, we worked together, wrote some songs and, uh, you know, went to Nashville and we got uh, contacted uh, by a label down there, that publishing company that was connected to uh, 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 up in Canada and they offered him a, a publishing deal. You know, we had gone to the CCMAs and he had a new artist showcase and all this stuff was like, you know, learning as we go, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he was the same age I was when I started out and 
Uh, anyway, uh, uh, you know, that was awesome. And, you know, he ended up moving to Nashville and I, I kind of had to step aside because my life wouldn't allow that kind of dramatic change, unfortunately. And we stayed in good touch. We stayed good friends. And when I had around the same time I helped him, I met a young guy in Nashville at the studio, uh, Steve Cropper studio, a guy named uh, Aaron Goodman. And we wound up staying in touch. And, and through him at Warner Chapel, we ended up writing When a Mama's Boy Meets a Daddy's Girl that went uh, – did well in Canada and yep. uh, kid that I helped that I started my story about when I found out that my song had gone uh, to number one on Chevy top 20 countdown. Thanks to Aaron Pachette. He brought that song to life and made it his own forever, forever indebted to that guy. I love that guy. And uh, uh, you know, Aaron and I and, and Miriam Weber, our co-writer, we were all excited for the opportunity. And then I had a phone call from my old friend in Nashville and he says, he's sitting down. And they said, why? He said, I said, what you get nominated for a Grammy? And he goes, uh, How'd you know? Who told you? <laughs> <laughs> Who was your old friend in Nashville? He wrote a little, wrote a little song called Blue Ain't Your Color. And oh. uh, um, that was Stephen Lee Olson, of course. And uh, now, you know, I, I, I talk to him every couple of days type of thing. And he's got some wonderful stuff going on in his life now. He's, he's uh, uh, I think they announced it online. That they're getting married, him and Shannon Ella. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't been down in Nashville, obviously, because of all the situation. But my deal with him was I would go down when he went out of town so I could walk the dogs and I got to stay at his place for nothing. What a deal that is. I mean, the music world has changed uh, so much. And we've talked to so many people, uh, you know, on this podcast about the whole writing process. What's that like for you? I tell people who know nothing about music, I say basically everybody, if they're if they're writing music, they're at one level or another, they're either a John Lennon or a Paul McCartney, I guess, if you want to just go straight to pop music, you know, mm-hmm. um, and when I say that, I mean like a, a Paul McCartney would start out with a melody and a John Lennon would start out with a line. Right. And uh, I was a Paul McCartney for a long time. And then uh, as I learned my craft, they sort of turned into a John Lennon. You know, I mean, like I, I listen to things people say now. And uh, I was on, I, I was working in film sets, like anything to support my my uh, uh, vagabond artist lifestyle. You know, like you can't have a day job when you're trying to do this gig. Right. And uh I was working in, I was lucky I was working in film sets. I've worked on a lot of cool film sets as a background actor. And um, one of my buddies that was doing it as well, uh, had, he was talking about his divorce or something, and he used the expression cold comfort. And I, I've heard that before, but it just struck a chord. It's a part of the pun in my brain, and, and I couldn't let go of it. And, uh, I, you know, once everything happened, uh, you know, with, the, with COVID and all that, and this was leading up to it. Uh, I wrote the song by myself, basically just uh, half the time sitting in my truck. And, um, you know, I, I knew it had to be a double entendre. It couldn't just be about, you know, what's cold comfort. Well, beer is cold comfort, isn't it? Yeah. But it had to have a backstory to kind of make it fit better. And uh, I was also very fortunate at the time to have met a young guy named Adam Newcomb, who's a, an incredible producer out of near the Peterborough, Ontario area. And, you know, he was the first guy that came along and said, you know, Steve, I know you've been trying to sing all the time. He's kind of, drift into being a tenor and he says you're a baritone why don't you sing baritone and, and be happy and i was like i was he thought he helped me find my voice and he's such a superb producer you know i mean I'll, I'll, i mean i'm working with him until he tells me to get lost well that's a good thing to you know a good thing to have once you find a good producer you you hold on to somebody he's gonna like be that. a superstar in canada that guy like he's still a pretty young guy and He's coming up fast and furious. You're going to see his name on a lot of stuff. Let's talk about a little bit about the sound of your new song um, because it's it's definitely not you know pop country. It's a little bit different. Yeah, I've always loved real country, and it's, thanks for mentioning that because when I was a, a kid, I used to spend all my summers out in Trenton, Ontario. My uncle was in the Air Force, 
And he used to say there was two kinds of music, country and Western, real serious. And we listened to Conway Twitty and Dottie West and Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. And as a matter of fact, I used to come back home from Trenton and I would listen to Kenny Rogers in my room with the door closed, learning the bass lines. Kept it from them, eh? I, you know, at that time it wasn't a thing, but, uh, uh anyway, uh, so, you know, the music for me, to be honest, I really love real country music, especially Nashville sound seventies, you know I mean? Uh, and I love those new guys. I love, well, not new that now so much, but I love Midland. Mm-hmm. I love anybody that's a standard bearer for music that a lot of people still want to hear, you know, and there's a lot of music on the radio that's recycled these days. Uh, uh, you know, when you look at, uh, uh, some of the shows that are on television, it seems like they're very specific about the style and type of artist and music they're looking for for a certain demographic. Well, I'm at the point where I just want to do what I like. And, and if people like it, they'll let me know. And if they don't like it, I don't want to hear about it. I'm happy with that. Where do you think uh, country music is, is going now? I mean, we've we've gone through the click tracks. We've gone through, uh, you know, a lot of the pop stuff that's happened over the last, say, three to five years. We're seeing a lot more storytelling and as a writer, yeah. are, are you finding that, uh, you know, we've talked to Aaron Goodvin on this podcast as well, and the storytelling seems to be coming back into country, not necessarily going deep into the traditional sound, but we're kind of getting back to our roots a little bit about it. Aaron Goodvin, like another guy that I owe so much to, um, you know, him walking us into Warner Chapel in Nashville and working on that song. And, uh, you know, he did a superb demo that got picked up right away uh, and, and, you know, did well for everybody and, and helped get me a lot of opportunities. But as far as, uh, you know, the cycle of music, well, it's always the music is a living thing and it's going to, it's going to, it's like a language. It's very, and it's going to have inflection and it's going to have influences from other sources. And I mean, you know, and I guess everybody who is a disciple of one source or another will have their turn at the trough, hopefully. And I feel like it's coming around again now that people who love country music love what country music is. And they like other kinds of music. I like all kinds of music. I love jazz, you know, and, and uh, I'm amazed at how many good country players can really do well playing jazz as well. I, I can tell you some names of guys, guitarists that just could make their living playing jazz, but they're, they're playing country music, you know. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, the music's coming around. I think part of it is it's, it's, the, it's fracturing, you know. I mean, the States now, they've got many different genres of country, like, you know, subgenres for radio. And in Canada, we're just starting to creep into that. And, uh, you know, that's giving opportunity and voice to people that are sort of off in the wilderness. Like I got a song uh, that's about my uncle that was in the Air Force and it talks about the kinds of music that there were in the past and sing it like you talk it. And, and a lot of those influences, you know, I mean, uh, that's that's what it's all about. What do you have uh, on your playlist uh, when you're, uh, you know, sitting there in your truck? What are you listening to? Well, I mean, aside from, you know, old timey stuff, like I like Marty Robbins and you know, anything Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, but I like the new stuff. Like I said, Midland, the Osborne brothers, you know, and, uh, old dominion. Yeah. Uh, I love my buddy, Jade Eagleson. I never got to talk about that. Jade and I, I took him on his first trip to Nashville, uh, after, uh, an impromptu writing session. I said, you ever been? He goes, no. And this is before he'd signed up with universal. And we just went the next day in my car. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and, uh, we had a good time, you know, I mean, that's something that nobody can take away from me. You know, we, uh, you know, uh, introduced him to some friends and we ended up writing a really good song with Aaron Goodman. Uh, and the story of it very quickly is like, we'd written this song in Canada and, you know, I said, it was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't a barn burner. We both knew it was one of those songs that probably wouldn't see the light of day, but 
I said, I got another one I want to work on. It's called Chevy Girl. And he goes, can't do it. I said, what do you mean? He says, I, I only drive Ford. <laughs> and I, yeah, so I looked at him right away. I don't know where it came from, but I said, well, you better get the F-150 out of here. And we both looked at each other and went, what? And I called up Aaron Goodman, and he said, get down here. We're going to write it. So one of the first things Jade and I did when we went down there is went to get Aaron's place, and we wrote this uh, F-150 song. And, you know, uh, uh, they had uh, one of Aaron's demo producers uh, uh, who's, you know, won a lot of Grammys, actually, sitting at the board next to other producers. Uh, you know, the song is, I can't believe it hasn't been picked up. None of us were all scratching our heads going, well, somebody's got to do it. Yeah. You know, it's going to see the light of day. You know, one of these songs has got to, it's got to ferment a little bit. It's one good thing about this downtime is I've been, I'm sure a lot of writers like myself, I would try to avoid writing about the situation mm -hmm. for as long as I could to give myself time to really think about it and come up with something meaty. And I have that. I, I've got, I, I'm, I'm chafing at the bit. I've got so much material that I want to get recorded. And uh, I'm very fortunate. I'm working with a lady named Veronica Lowe at War Records who has got a really great vision and sees a way for somebody like myself at my point in my career to have some sort of input in a business that's very, needless to say, always has been very dominated by new trends and youth and stuff. But, you know, um, there's lots of uh, people out there listening to music more than ever, and, and there's a place for everybody. And years ago, I worked with an artist out of Western Canada who had his album produced by uh, Dean Sams from Lone Star. And we were talking about possibly having him come back in. I used to do music management. I was doing artist management back in the day with Stephen Lee and stuff. And this, uh, Dean said to me on the phone, you know, Steve, uh, there's people out there that made a million dollars in the music business. You never heard their name. You know, they're out touring and doing their playing to their fans. And, mm -hmm. and uh, that's, that's kind of what keeps me going at, at this point. I'm, I've got lots of options in terms of how I live my life day to day, but you know, I'll be writing songs until they take the pen away from me in the ICU. That's awesome. And I also want a tour of Nashville because I have never been there. Are you kidding me? No. You know what? It's, it's, you react like everybody else I have talked to uh, over my 20-odd years doing country radio. It is one of the places I have yet to go to. And it, it is on my bucket list uh, to, well, it was on my bucket list for, you know, to hit this year. But I have yet to go to Nashville. You got a standing invitation from me, my friend. I'll walk you into all the places. You know, I mean, I'll tell you something. Like, Broadway is fun. When you're new to Nashville, it's like it's like a music meet grind. There's music going on in 20 clubs, 24 hours a day. Yeah. Like, it's just uh, incredible. Uh, you know, people come from all over the world, Australia, you know, Alaska, Canada, Europe, Japan. Mm -hmm. And they go into these bars, and, and they'll pay $100 to get up on stage to be able to sing, you know, any of those big, uh, you know, country hits or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that, and those fans don't get paid anything other than the tip chart. They yeah. are working hard for it. There's a lot of Canadians in there yeah. working at one level or another, you know, but the coolest thing about Nashville is a lot of the off the beat trail stuff like East Nashville and the Gulch and, uh, Midtown, you know, I've had some of my coolest experiences, uh, uh, in some of the little places in Midtown Nashville. Uh, you know, I've been in a, uh, a couple of bars along there. And uh, um, one of them is owned by George Strait's manager. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of that connection, if you go on a weeknight when it's not full of Vanderbilt students, uh, you'll get some crazy big stars walking in there out of the blue and picking up a guitar and doing three or four songs and walking out. Really? I got uh, Darius Rucker one night. I was in there with Brad James, a buddy of mine from Hamilton. Yeah. And I had my back turned because I wasn't paying attention. And the, the bartender put a drink in front of me. And I said, I didn't order that. She goes, oh, the guy's singing dead. And I, what? Turned around. And then I realized it wasn't a recording. It was him singing. 
and there was only about 30 of 35 people in the bar, you know I mean? And we got 10 minutes of pretty cool stuff. And a few years before that, I was in there, uh, and, uh, out of the blue, uh, uh, Toby Keith came in and played yeah. and Jamie Johnson. You just, you know, those places, that's where the right, the publishing offices are. And, you know, a lot of the labels will do their, like if an artist has a number one, they'll do a little party in one of the back rooms in those places, you know? And, uh, unfortunately a lot of it's going away. One of my favorite little hole in the walls called Bobby's idle hour. They tore that down for a condo. That's a lot of what's going on. Cranes and condos. Oh really? Eh? I've always heard the bluebird is the place to go. Yeah, you know, the, I love the Bluebird. I'm a member of the NSAI, which owns the Bluebird, and they, you know, they really hit a home run when that TV series came out. Uh, you know, uh, Nashville. Yeah. Um, the thing about, you know, you have to be in the right state of mind. Like I, I love going, and I, I'm entitled to play there. One of these days, I'll have to apply because if you're a member, you're, you're you're allowed to raise your hand and see if they get you in there. Okay. And basically, they have four sets. Four different artists get up there with their guitars and they play their music, you know, and there's 16 songs in the course of the night, usually. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, the thing is, it's a small, intimate venue and the songs, everybody's playing those songs that make your mom cry. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've been there a couple times and I'm like, you know what? I'm really dying for a toe tapper. Can you, can somebody <laughs> hit me with Somebody pick hit it me up a little. You know, like, I mean, but, you know, on the other hand, this is hard work that these people pour out their heart and soul. And sure. this is their altar. This is their church, yeah. you know, to do that. Like it's been said in songs now. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, one of these days, hopefully I'll be fortunate to have the opportunity to do that. But we're very lucky in Canada that we've got a, a system that allows uh, artists to uh, have an opportunity to, you know, even in a small degree, apply their living doing it. And there's a lot of support uh, that uh, doesn't exist you know, um, in the States. And there's a lot of, you know, regions that are so rich in story and song of country music, you know, the Ottawa Valley and Alberta, yeah. down East, yeah. Cape Breton, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of great writers, even just from around the GTA. Like, you know, I, I really like uh, Derek with I think he's from Barrie, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, I looked at, he's kind of a model for me in terms of what I'm doing. Like, you know, I mean, I'd like to carry on being a writer, but I, I'd like to be able to, every now and then record something and sing it because sometimes I just feel that I want to do that. Did it scare you making the jump from writer to singer? Oh, absolutely. Scares me talking to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're, do you're doing fine, man. There's nothing, nothing to be scared about at all. You make a good point there. Uh, Canada is a very, very strong country music world right now. We have some amazing talent that is coming out of Canada. Oh, Tennille Towns. Look at her. What a superstar, eh? Like, she's just going off like a rocket. I'm so happy for her. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's, especially because it's a female artist, you know, because there's been a lot of talk about the challenges. And, you know, I mean, just some of it's hard to blame. If it's, a, you know, there's demographic issues that are going on that create demand in certain areas. I don't know, you know, I mean, uh, uh, but that being said, I've, I've worked with some female artists that, uh, you know, I, I, I was nervous to work around because they were so good, you know, and, and, uh, um, I love, I love when a female artist can do a real nice little, you know, country warble. You know, uh, Stephen Lee's sister Misty, she was a fantastic uh, vocalist. The two of them together, if they've been a, a duo, oh, you know, these things they all go in their own direction. But uh, yeah, we have a great scene, and and uh, and and uh, you know, the system allows for opportunity. I mean, when when Mama's Boy was at its peak, I think it made number five on uh, Billboard, and uh, when Mama's Boy meets Daddy's Girl, and uh, by Aaron Pachet there. And somebody from the label told me there was an audience of about 5.2 million people nationally. I just about spit my tea out. You know, I was like, what? Yeah, that's crazy. Eh? That's 
Well, and I and people who asked some friends of mine out in Edmonton and stuff, they sent me videos of people dancing to it at their wedding. Yeah. You know how humbling that is? You know, I mean, like, I can't comprehend. I mean, that's all we ever want is to be, you know, I, a super quick story at the end. Uh, I don't know, at the end, whatever. I, I went to Nashville with a buddy from out west, a honky-tonk named Craig Moritz, and we were in Ralph Murphy's office at ASCAP, and uh, doing our obligatory little courtesy meeting for ASCAP, you know, the, which is the performing rights organization that, is affiliated with SOCAN in Canada. They, they collect performance royalties. Right. And uh, we're sitting in his office, and he's a legend already at the time, and he's a tall guy, and he's he's got a bit of, he's he's, collect, he's, he's gathered a bit of a, a Nashville twang talking, and we're sitting in his office, and there's a horrific thunderstorm. I'm, I'm worried there's going to be a tornado right. going on while we're talking to him. And he looks at the two of us, and we're sitting there wide-eyed across from him, and he goes, why are you here? And we know what to say. We're just looking at each other, and then he goes, you just want to be loved, don't you? <laughs> I'll, never forget, I'll never forget that. I mean, I, I got to, I've stayed, I stayed, you know, I saw Ralph at the CCMAs with everybody, and I, I had a chance to tell him about the good fortune that I had, and he said, he said, oh, you know, you just keep your head down, do your work, work your plan, and sometimes the gods will smile on you, and, and I'm very fortunate. If it all stopped today, I'd be thrilled. Excellent. You know, I got a great blog of music, and I've got some people now that are they're working with me that believe in it, and uh, no matter what happens, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I just feel very, sounds cliche and everything, but boy, I, I sure do feel blessed right now in the hard times that people are having and everything. I'm very grateful and aware of the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate. If not so much material, who, who cares? Spiritually is where it's at. Stephen, where do people find you on uh, social media? I know that uh, your, uh, your song is now out on Spotify and on Apple, uh, but where do people find you? Well, I, I have a, uh, uh, I'm on Facebook, just Stephen Adrian Lawrence. Uh, you can find me there. Uh, I've got Instagram. I've got uh, Twitter. I don't do those as much. I try to, you know, like taking your vitamins. <laughs> Did you do your Twitter today? Um, and uh, It's a lot nowadays, man. You know, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm lucky. My son is 19 and he's playing guitar now. You know, I got him a, a little Fender Strat when I was in Nashville at a pawn shop in East Nashville two years ago and he was humming and hawing looking at it. But one of the side benefits of this, uh, this, uh, this, this downtime we're having, he's been trapped in his room and he's, he's shredding that guitar now, you know, uh, I said, Carson, I knew if I just left it there, it'd be like a seed. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I, I couldn't be prouder. I mean, you know, he's still a neophyte, but you know, he's, he's got the fingers for it and he's got the drive and, you know, I, there's nothing more I would love one day than have him on a recording with me or something, you know? That's awesome. Stephen, it's a pleasure talking to you. I can't wait. Uh, I'm going to take you up on that standing order to, uh, or standing invitation, rather, to uh, to come to Nashville with you. I think that would be a blast. Uh, it is a, it is on the bucket list to do. I will guarantee you that I will fill your bucket. I want to say thank you very much for uh, giving me this opportunity to uh, talk about the music and, and talk with somebody like-minded. And uh, really, uh, I can't say how much I appreciate that and, and – uh, if anybody I know is listening out there, hey, great to be talking to you guys, and hopefully this will be uh, something cool that we can look back on and say, wow, how, how awesome was that? Well, I look forward to having you back on the podcast here in uh, in six months and, uh, you know, see what else is, uh, you know, going on with you. Oh, yeah, don't worry. I won't let you down. I got stuff in the pipe. Not that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Hey, take care, man. Thanks for listening to Inside Today's Country with Tim Black. Don't forget to like and subscribe. This has been a TimBlackOnAir.com production.